BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package is massive, and the reaction it's receiving from members of Congress is equally large. I think this is actually one of the worst pieces of legislation I've seen pass here in the time I've been in the Senate. Everything in the American Rescue Plan addresses a real need, including investments to fund our entire vaccination effort. More vaccines, more vaccinators, and more vaccination sites. Federal money could be flowing to every town in Wisconsin. This is one of the most significant pieces of legislation really in the last generation. Republicans united in voting no, calling it a bailout. For a state like Wisconsin that has, has remained you know, far, far more open than places like California and New York, you know, our economy is already humming. A sweeping pandemic relief package passed Congress and is waiting for President Biden's signature. So what's in the bill and what does it mean for the country, Wisconsin, and your family? From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire, here with Brian Polson. Hi, Brian. Hi, Amanda. We are recording this episode on Thursday, March 11th, and we are here with Fox 6 political reporter Jason Calvi. Jason, welcome back to Open Record. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on. So we are now uh, t- here to discuss the $1.9 trillion COVID-19 uh, re- relief package. This is not the first COVID relief bill uh, or, or stimulus package, obviously, in the past year. There have been a number of them, but this one is different. Tell me a little, Jason, about how we got here and what makes this bill so different from the others. So just a little recap, back in March of last year, 2020, there was so many questions about what was coming with COVID-19. And right now we're right at that one-year anniversary of how really life changed for us across the state, across the nation, and really across the world. But at the beginning of of March, there was uh, bills that were, there was a bill passed that funded vaccine research, actually. That was a a year ago. So we're seeing the fruit of that initial, it was like um, $8 billion investment into vaccine research back in March of last year. And then there was uh, another bill, it was, it was um, 100, 100 billion, more than $100 billion. And that was to provide uh, money for free testing, for COVID-19 testing, and also provided uh, paid leave for people so that you know, when you needed to do that 14-day quarantine, there was money in there to make sure that people were actually able to take that 14-day quarantine. These were some ideas that need, you know, to, to, to really cut down on, on the spread of COVID-19. So that was, that was early March of last year. And then we saw what became the largest stimulus package in, in American history, which was the CARES Act, 
Uh, that was passed at the end of March, and that was $2.2 trillion. Now, that included those cash payments uh, to, to Americans, checks in your pocket um, of $1,200. It included federal unemployment assistance, which we've been dealing with the whole year of 2020 and, and into this year. It also included um, PPP loans, which were Paycheck Protection Program loans, which were really free uh, money to uh, businesses that had been um, really hit by the pandemic, and this would allow them to keep people on payroll, to pay their rent, to pay their mortgages, and things like that. So those were some of the things that we saw in March of 2020, a lot of action there uh, in the spring of 2020. And then then in December, uh, Congress again passed another um, uh, so, some more stimulus funding. This was uh, $600 checks to Americans, and it also extended uh, some of these uh, unemployment benefits as well as uh, another batch of PPP loans. So there was, there was more money at the end of December 2020 that went across the country as well. Uh, and that sets us up to where we are right now. March, yesterday, uh, the House passing the final version that had been tweaked by the Senate, the final version of this American Rescue Plan, sending it then to President Biden for his signature. And this is a $1.9 trillion relief package. So a little bit smaller than the CARES Act, but again, it's going to really impact the entire country. And really, most people in the country will see uh, see this impact in their local communities or their cities, their towns, their villages, as well as uh, businesses and, and, and really people across the country as well. So Jason, when you look at the polling for how this bill is doing in terms of the uh, court of public opinion in the United States, the support of it is bipartisan from the American people's perspective. But from the lawmakers perspective, the support of this is not bipartisan. So what are the sticking points here? Yeah, so it's not only, I mean, not only not bipartisan, I mean, those earlier relief bills I talked about there with the history, uh, those those were definitely bipartisan. This bill, the American Rescue Plan, had no Republicans backing it in either the Senate or the House. So it really was passed only on, uh, only with, with Democratic support. Now, uh, what are Republicans saying? Why, why are they saying that they, they want to oppose this? Uh, they say that they're, they're really balking at the, at the, um, at the price tag, $1.9 trillion. They're saying this is not needed. Um, Senator Ron Johnson, for example, says that we're already so far into debt as a country that this is really mortgaging our children's future. Um, as well as, as saying that it's not needed right now because they're, they're, they're pointing to the economy is starting to take off. You know, we had some really uh, hopeful job numbers uh, last week as the job report came out uh, showing that the United States was, was gaining jobs. Now, we're not, we're not recovered uh, from the, the losses of a year ago in 2020, but we are, we are slowly making progress and, and economists are seeing a lot of signs for hope in those latest job numbers. Uh, so in, with that as our framework, Republicans are saying, listen, this, this is way too much money that we're investing in projects that are not needed. Um, you know, they're, they're pointing out we'll get to the, some of the state and local funding, which is a new component in this bill, one of the big uh, components of this bill. Uh, and they're saying, listen, a lot of the states are actually having an increase in revenue uh, going on right now. Why are we why, why they're calling it an unneeded bailout? This this federal money that's going to some of these uh, it's going to these states. And so they're saying it's going to it's going to potentially lead to inflation. So there's there's worries about that as well, about the national debt, things like that. So that's why I think you're seeing Republicans uh, united, really, in opposing this bill. What I think is interesting, Jason, is when we're in the middle of this uh, global emergency, 
we saw obviously the bipartisan support for a number of these stimulus or relief bills, um, which sort of suggests that there's there's wide agreement at the time that we're in the middle of an emergency and put our you know put put our differences aside. We know we have to do this. It almost I almost wonder if the the divisions the the dividing lines that we're on now are a sign that things are sort of getting back more to normal, to politics as usual, because granted, the price tag on this one is bigger, but it's almost like we can afford to debate again, whereas before there's a recognition, we're in the middle of a mess. And I was looking at just the sheer numbers in this bill. I mean, sometimes it's it's easy to lose a grip of perspective on just how big these numbers are. $1.9 trillion. I did some quick math on this. And for people in Wisconsin to really try to relate to this, you remember all the debate there was over the construction of Pfizer Forum. It's a $500 million facility. That's a lot of money. It's a big investment. $1.9 trillion is enough to build 3,800 Pfizer Forums. Um, it's enough to pay Giannis's salary 69,000 times. Um, so it's a big price tag. And, and I wonder, Jason, when you start to get to numbers that big, people do have those concerns. They express about potential inflation. Where is this money going to come from? It's deficit spending. And the question is, how much is too much? We've gotten back to a point now where the sort of typical politics of that seem to be playing out. That's a great point, Brian, that maybe this is a good this is a sign that the country is starting to return to that normal that so many people are, are looking forward to that day where we can return to normal, where we'll you know be able to have big parties and concerts and shows and things like that. Uh, and, and, and that's the health experts would say a long way off still months, months and months, uh, maybe toward the, the, the late uh, the late fall or, or early winter. But uh, but yeah, maybe this is a sign that things are getting back to normal, that people can have this debate. Now, remember those those original bills that I mentioned, including the, the CARES Act, which was even larger than this bill, that was passed in, in the spring. And, um, you know, there was a, a lot of questions about, you know, how many lives were going to be lost and, and what was going to happen. There were so many questions about how this was spread. And, and you know, remember back in, in March, you know, we, we weren't wearing masks. We, you know, there, there, was, there was not the prospect that the vaccines would be coming. Um, so things have really changed. You know, there is a sense of, of hope now, like I mentioned, with the jobs numbers, with the vaccine rollout uh, kicking up in, in, in the full steam here in Wisconsin and other states. So uh, things are different. And now maybe the sense is, yeah, let's let's have a serious debate about if this is if this is needed. But at the end of the day, Democrats did win the election. So they have control of the House, the Senate and the White House. And with the winning of that election, they get to put they get to push forward with this plan, which is uh, which is going to become law very, very shortly here. Well, and a lot of the the question, I think sometimes people are approaching this from different planes. It's survival versus stimulus, right? So it's at, at the beginning, it was definitely a question of, you know, how fast can we get this out so that people can survive and keep paying their bills? And even though people have been calling these checks stimulus checks for the next year, for the last year, for some people, they are stimulus checks and that they will then use those checks to purchase something they wouldn't have otherwise bought and stimulate the economy. For some other people, those checks are, I'm, you know, three months behind in my rent and this is the only thing getting me by. So as we discuss this particular bill, it does make me wonder if if we're drifting more into the area of stimulus rather than survival. And that's why we're seeing um, some of some of that debate. I'll make no mistake, there are some people who are 
definitely saying I I need this to survive. And with that, I think it's a good idea to get into some of what's in the bill. I know that what we get a lot of questions about often, of course, is the check that's going to go out to uh, American families. So what does that uh, check involve and, and who does it apply to, Jason? So this uh, these, these stimulus checks, I guess the first question is when, when are they going to be coming? And uh, the White House is estimating that a large number of Americans will receive these stimulus checks uh, by the end of March. So really just a couple weeks here until those will go out. If, if you remember, uh, this will be the third batch of checks that have gone out direct payments. So, you know, either direct deposit, direct deposit or uh, an actual check or, or debit cards that will be coming to you, uh, depending on, 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 on your situation with taxes and things like that. But those checks is, will be going out. Um, the first batch um, with the CARES Act, those went out after about two weeks after it became law. Um, the December checks went out about a week after started going out a week after President Trump signed that in December. Um, so these ones uh, probably would be going out a week or so after President Biden signs them, as the other checks have in, in the past. And uh, so you can look for those by the end of March. Now, who's going to be getting that money? Um, it's it's $1,400 per, per individual taxpayer. Um, and then uh, if, if you're if you're couple if you're a couple filing your taxes jointly, then it'd be uh, double that. So it'd be twenty eight hundred dollars. Um, and then there's also fourteen hundred dollars per dependent child that would be sent out as well. And then uh, there are income thresholds here. So so if you're an individual making uh, less than seventy five thousand dollars, you get that full fourteen hundred dollar check. If you're a couple making less than one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you'd get the twenty eight hundred dollar check. Um, and then there'll be um, some phase outs uh, for people making above those thresholds. So you'll make, you'll, you'll receive a check smaller than, uh, than the numbers I just mentioned. Um, and different from the last time around, they did actually cut off about 16 million uh, Americans who qualified for the previous payments who will not receive checks this time around. Those are individuals, those are single uh, individual people making over 80,000 a year, they won't receive any any stimulus checks here. And then couples making over $160,000 a year would no longer qualify for these checks. So that's a difference between between the last time where some of those people where those people did get checks. Well, in, a, in addition to all these individual checks, for instance, the child tax credit, my understanding there's a boost in the child tax credit. So yeah, the child tax credit would be raised um, to $3,000. Uh, if you have children under six, then it would actually be $3,600 for children under six. And, um, you know, not a tax lawyer here, so you definitely want to talk, talk with your <laughs> accountant or tax, tax experts, but they would be fully refundable. So what that would mean is uh, you would see a refund if you don't owe that much in taxes. So let's say you had uh, you had those you know two children and that's a $6,000 um, tax credit. And so that if you didn't have $6,000 in taxes, then some of that money would be, would be, um, would be coming to you as a refund. So that's, that's a little different from what we've seen in the past on that child tax credit. And I know, I mean, just talking to um, some other families and in my community, there is a, a lot of talk about this tax credit, in part because child care costs largely have gone up during the pandemic. Um, if you have a situation where both mom and dad are are still working, but someone took a pay cut and then their childcare costs go up, it sounds like the idea is to help offset some of those increased costs. Is that right? Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, you're right. The, the cost of childcare 
it was already high, you know, to 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 pay for childcare, and this this is to help to help uh, in that in that regard. And I mean, there's all, there's been talk about raising the child tax credit from both Republicans and Democrats for 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 a while now. So this is this is just uh, implementing that into a law that that could that was passed and and will be signed by uh, President Biden. So that's definitely going to raise that child tax credit uh, across the country here. Well, and we know that this includes aid for all sorts of other things beyond individuals. I mean, schools have been hit really hard by the pandemic, and they've had to make a lot of very expensive adjustments to get school back up and running. So they're included in this. Businesses we know have been hit extremely hard. The restaurant industry in particular gets a big hunk in this bill. Uh, and then there's just the money that uh, Amanda mentioned earlier for state and local governments, which hasn't really been a part of these previous packages, but there's a, a substantial amount of money going just toward towns and villages and cities all across the country, right, Jason? Yeah, it's actually 360 million in the final Senate version. 306. Sorry, I said million, but uh, but it's billion. So 360. It's so easy to lose track of the zeros in this, and it really that's why I gave that perspective earlier. I know you start talking trillions, billions, millions to people who don't make millions of dollars uh, that these numbers are easy to lose track of. It's hard to wrap your brain around it. I mean, I, I really appreciate the, uh, you know, the looking at the, uh, the, the, the looking at it from a physical perspective. Like if you were to stack the dollar bills to, uh, on top of each other, how high uh, $1.9 trillion would actually be physically versus $1 billion versus $1 million. If you stacked them up, uh, those are all great uh, things to kind of visualize how much money we're talking about here. But for the state and local funding, this is Brian. You said this is this is new. This is this hasn't been part uh, in the back. These will be assistance coming to the states, coming to the local governments. Uh, Three hundred and sixty billion with a B. Uh, and and we're going to see in Wisconsin here. We're going to see five point seven billion dollars coming to the state. Uh, some of that money will be for the state's control, and then a lot of that will be for the tribes, the counties, and the municipalities. And I mean, we've got this. I've been sharing with you this um, in the in the newsroom, uh, sharing a, over email an Excel spreadsheet that had all of the various towns, villages, cities in Wisconsin. We've been kind of looking at that. It's just really intriguing how much money various communities are going to get. So I have a couple of notes here. Uh, like Sheboygan would would be receiving twenty two million dollars. Wauwatosa, $25 million. Kenosha, $27 million. West Dallas, $32 million. Racine, $46 million. And then Milwaukee would be receiving the most, uh, $405 million. Um, and then also this money would also be going to counties. So Milwaukee County would get $183 million. That's separate from what the cities are, are making, which I just mentioned. Uh, Ozaki County would be 17 million. So you're going to see a ton of of cash infusion into our into our counties, into our communities, uh, into our towns. What can this money be used for? It's it's really interesting. Um, the, it'll be also so the cities can offset lost revenue uh, if if you know tax revenue wasn't coming in. Think about parking permits and recreation fees and and, and various things that that is income for a city that. They haven't been maybe making that money in the last year in some places. Uh, so this will offset some of that lost revenue. Uh, it'll also allow them to make necessary improvements. Uh, these are needed changes if they can use this money for sewer, for water, uh, for internet infrastructure. If it's needed and necessary, they can actually use some of this money for that. They can also use this money 
for households in their community, for small businesses, for impacted industries. So again, it's, it's, it's the, the, the cities are going to have a ton of money. As I mentioned, Milwaukee, $405 million, which they'll be able to use for a variety of purposes. Uh, they'll be sent out in two batches. So the, the, you know, they'll get half of the money, uh, about 60 days after this law is, becomes law. And then they'll receive the second half a year from now. Uh, and they'll also have to send reports back to the Treasury Department about how they're using this money. They have to, you know, they have to, they have to use it for those, those uh, requirements I just laid out for you. They will have to report that to Treasury. Uh, the Treasury Department is, this is a huge bill. I mean, they, they're going to be sending out a lot of guidance on the stimulus checks and on these various programs. Uh, and there will be more guidance for the state and municipalities to, to know what they have to do here. But pretty much the layout here is that they can use it for a whole bunch of purposes to offset revenue, to help their community, as well as to invest in uh, infrastructure as well. And this is the part that really seems to bother Ron Johnson, right? You, you don't always have lawmakers saying, hey, my, uh, my state doesn't need this money. Yeah. I mean, he, he, him and, and the other Republicans who also in Wisconsin all voted no on this on this bill, both in the Senate, Ron Johnson and the, the, the Republican representatives as well. They're like, no, this money's not needed. Wisconsin, because part, part of the money that's going to the states is actually there, there's um, fixed fixed allotments that are going to every single state. But then another chunk of that money for the states is going to be based on the unemployment rate of that state in December and Senator Johnson's like, well, that's gonna, that's re, that's rewarding states. He pointed out California, um, but it's gonna reward states that were more shut down over the year. And he said, you know, Wisconsin's been pretty much, you know, opened up uh, for the year, for a lot of the year. And and so why why should why should the federal government reward states who locked down uh, their economy that had certain lockdowns in place? Um, and now they're going to reward them because they had higher unemployment rates than Wisconsin had. You know, he says the economy is getting ready to really take off. Now is not the time to make these investments. Let the economy continue moving forward as, as it is about to take off. Um, again, this money, he says, is unneeded. It's wasteful. Uh, it's, it's, again, going to add to that, uh, add to that deficit and add to, you know, just to unneeded spending here. So depending on who you talk to, this is either an unnecessary bailout or a life-saving measure. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and, and he pointed out there's these communities and states that are seeing revenue increases. Um, but, but at the same time, when, when you talk to, well, I was in Shorewood and we, we talked there about, you know, how, how they were hit hard with these fees not coming in and, and tax revenue down and, and how they've you know, had to invest in various uh, local grant programs to help local businesses um, and so they're really seeing this cash, cash infusion as a way to help them. And then also the increased costs for the increased costs for uh, vaccine distribution that, that counties are taking on right now. Um, they really see that this is some, the, the, the people that support this money say that, yeah, this money is going to be helpful to continue on with vaccine distribution or you know, PPP that's needed for, for first responders and things like that. Uh, part of that, uh, this, this local money can also be used for premium pay for essential workers. So think about you know, first responders and, and people that were uh, garbage, uh, peop- uh, the, the trash collectors. Those people uh, the city could conceivably um, give premium pay for who worked during, during the pandemic uh, additional to their, uh, their salary. Or to their hourly rate. 
one of the big, obviously, criticisms from Republicans who have have uh, obviously opposed this particular round of of relief funding is that they said it could have been more targeted toward specific COVID relief. Um, obviously, there's money in here for vaccines, and there's widespread support for that and bipartisan support for that. And there are other features of this that are specifically targeted at at, at COVID-related things, but Republicans have pointed to things they say were not related to it. Uh, some of the criticism has gone toward money that's going toward things like a bridge connecting New York State to Canada, a subway in San Jose, and some of the criticism of the money for K-12 through education has been that that money's not actually going to get to schools for a couple of years in some cases, or, or at least uh, not till the sort of pandemic concerns have been alleviated. So there is some criticism that this was larger than it needed to be. And could have been more targeted, but in the end, the, the 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 biggest concern with that sizable thing is the question of will this overheat the economy and and lead to inflation? And I do think it's interesting to be in a place where we're talking about the potential for overheating the U.S. economy because a year ago that certainly was not our concern. Obviously, there was a real concern that the economy was going to collapse. I think the fact that we're here a year later, even in a position to be able to discuss overheating the economy, seems like it must be a pretty good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I want to I want to bring it back to that bridge that you mentioned, because uh, the bridge and the subway, those those have been cut from the program after that was, um, you know, part of the House, the House version. And and Republicans really raised an alarm about that, that that was because you've got, you know, Senator Schumer, who's from New York and you've got Speaker Pelosi, who's from California. And those two programs you just mentioned, the bridge and 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 the. the uh, transit program were both, you know, New York, California programs. And so those had been cut from this final version. But this is why we have the political reporter come on and do this, because he's more up to date on these things than I am. Because so he can politely for, tell us when that. we don't know what we're talking about. No, but, but I mean, that was that was definitely an, an issue that that got brought up. Like, why are, why are you spending this? And, you know, Democrats are are saying, you know, they are they did make a lot of promises during the campaign. These the, the two pro projects you were talking about were projects that had been, uh, you know, on the books for, for a while as far as uh, moving forward on those. But, uh, you know, Democrats are saying, you know, they won the election and they have a lot of promises that they made to the people. And this is their chance to to make good on that and go bold and go big. Uh, and, and to really, you know, we're talking about these capital programs that will be coming to the states. Um, you know, there, that is part of this this last uh, this last bill that there will be. Um, uh, capital improvement projects. I had mentioned that people can use the, the local communities can use this money for improvements to the sewer and water. Think about you know Flint and Milwaukee that have had 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 the lead problems. Um, this could be used to offset some of those uh, problems and issues. Um, so again, we're going to have a long time to see how this money actually flows out. As you mentioned, it's going to be flowing out over you know over the next year and into the future actually. Uh, so we'll see how it all plays out and, and whether or not, uh, you know, Republicans, you know, warning that this could, you know, lead to some problems with inflation and kind of slowing the economy. Uh, we'll see what happens a bit. There's really, uh, you've got, you've got a clear distinction between Democrats and Republicans on, on if this, if this is, uh, if this is worth the cost here. Jason, don't go anywhere because this is the part of the podcast where we go off the record a little more personal. We have a little fun. 
And we do that by answering a question we have not prepared for. We really have no idea. Uh, <laughs> to ask us this surprise question, we are joined once again by Open Records executive producer Sarah Smith. And Sarah sometimes probably has no idea what she's going to ask until shortly before. Is that our new tagline? Fox 6, we have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Or do you plan these far in advance, Sarah? I just sense that you're like going, oh, no, I didn't come up with one for today. I put it on my Monday to-do list. Now, today's Thursday. I put it on my Monday to-do list because I know that it will take me a couple days to go, is that question really okay or good? Or I don't really want to repeat a food question because we did one last week. So They've been good so far. They've been very good talkers. And by the way, I bought cereal last week after our discussion. So did our editor, Dave Machuda. He messaged the next day and said, all that cereal talk in the podcast had him buying sugar smacks or whatever it was. Okay, so here's today's question. Uh, It's a little morbid, but stay with me. So in the seconds before you die, you are allowed to know everyone who was secretly in love with you at some point. (laughs) Do you want to know? Wow. I... That's... That's a really deep question. And, like, I'm the kind of person where transparency is everything. So from that sense, I want to know, but I don't know that I really want to know what I would find out. Um, And not because it would, here's the thing, the, the premise behind that, the unspoken premise is like, if would that change your view of like what might've been? And no, that, that wouldn't be it. But I just have this insatiable curiosity about things like that. If we're talking seconds before we, I feel like timing is everything. So if we're talking seconds before I die, I don't want the last feeling I feel right before I die to be oh, fair point. secondhand mortification on behalf of other people because that is like a unique and terrible feeling. You know what I mean? Like it's like, oh, I now know this information about someone. They don't know that I know this information. Um, we're also making a lot of assumptions here that there would be multiple people or anyone well no i i thought it was interesting that you you viewed it from a lens of i would feel bad for that person that they were in love with me and i didn't sort of respond whereas i had the thought of like i would feel bad that that person had such low (laughs) self-esteem no i'm I'm kidding no i just i i don't think i would have a long list of people who uh were on that unknown um thing i don't know jason what about you would you do you think you've had all sorts of secret admirers Right. The seconds before, like, I think I have much bigger things to be worrying about and, and thinking about and being thankful for, for the, the life that, that I did leave, uh, did lead at that point. So I, I would say I wouldn't want to know. And uh, I think I'd be happy just to kind of think about what, what I have had, which has been amazing. I feel totally blessed. So that's kind of where I would be at, at the last two seconds. Uh, but I'm really curious, where do you get these questions from? <laughs> this is my first time. Her brain. <laughs> um, no, uh, no, it's like it's a mix of places in my brain. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but OK, so can I just say that I looked at it? <laughs> this is so um, self-absorbed. But I looked at it like, oh, my gosh, what a confidence booster right before I kick it. <laughs> like, I, I mean, so here's Unless me. Unless it's I'm zero. Okay, but maybe, but I'm banking on a long list. The way she asked it, though, I think we need to make the assumption that it is a list, like that it is multiple people. Well, yeah. okay, because the right. thing is, like, you, you're like, oh, man, big confidence boost. I, you probably would have a long list. I, am, I think I'm worried that it wouldn't be and that, <laughs> that would just depress me right before the final moments. 
It's funny. My, my husband and I were just talking about like, would you want the ability to read people's minds, which is this is kind of like in a similar plane. And his immediate answer was, oh, my gosh, no, that sounds terrible. I have no desire to know what anyone is thinking about me at any given point, like blissful ignorance, please. So, you know, I, th- I think this is kind of along those same lines, whereas my immediate response is yes. And of course, I think about it from the job perspective. I want to know if someone's lying to me. I want to know what they really think when they give this answer. Um, but I think I think for the sake of the question, it is safe to like assume that each of us would have a list and then that would be what it is going into it. I don't know. But now imagine that one of the people on that list is like, you know, I'm now I'm right before I'm about to go and pass through, hopefully to those pearly gates. I'm thinking, but I called her a smelly rotten egg on at recess. I mean, <laughs> then I would feel terrible. I don't know. Well, that's your burden to bear. <laughs> How many people did you call smelly rotten eggs at recess? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's probably one or two, and it's probably because I liked them, and that's the whole thing. Yeah. You know, when you're a you're a boy and you're on the playground, is and then you you're chasing after you 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 say that's the whole thing. You say the things to the one you like, but you don't want to show it, and that's why I had so much success as a young <laughs> as a young person. <laughs> Jason, I think you know the thing is you came on here and you gave what was what was really the sweetest response, which is what I should have said. And now if my wife listens to the podcast, she's going to be very disappointed same. that I didn't say the same thing. Thanks for coming on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, what's the next question? All right, but if you do have a question that you'd like to submit for our off the record segment, or if you want to suggest a topic we should discuss, an issue we should investigate please do send us an email. You can send your emails to fox6investigators at fox.com. Again, that's fox, the number six, investigators at fox.com. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. And please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I am Brian Polson for Amanda St. Hilaire. And of course, for the regular Jason Calvi, we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.